My name is Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects podcast. Hello, and welcome to the History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects, Episode 5, Priesthood Line of Authority Document. If you're a Bible-reading individual, I'm going to venture a guess that I know which chapter of the Bible you typically skim past the most, Matthew chapter 1. Considering all the revisions and translations that took place over the decades with the Bible, it's amazing that Matthew chapter 1 stayed in there. Why is the first thing that welcomes us to Christ's New Testament a genealogy tree? Matthew and all the Bible translators knew something very important. In order for Christ to do what he did and be what he was, an account of his parentage and birth, a list of the ancestors from whom he descended was required context. Just having a direct line, 42 generations to be exact, that showed you came not only from David, but also Abraham, in whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed, spoke volumes about who Christ was to become. In much the same way, all Christian churches regard Christ's authority, or the divine right to preach, to act in the name of God, and most importantly, to direct Christ's church on earth in different ways. Many Christian churches, for example, the Roman Catholic Church, the Orthodox and Coptic Churches, emphasize a continuous line of authority from the early apostles. Most of the churches who broke away from these originals claim they obtain authority from the perfect Bible. Others rely on a sense of being called to the ministry. But for Joseph Smith and his future Mormon church, a very distinctive and individual view of authority is one of the major truth claims of this upcoming movement. Our next object in this series is different than all the rest thus far. It is a priesthood line of authority document. Now, it's different from the other objects because unlike the other objects discussed thus far in this podcast that are individual, almost mystical things, all Mormon holders of the higher priesthood have or can request a priesthood line of authority document. So, what is this object? A priesthood line of authority is generally a one-page document that details who ordained an individual to the priesthood, and who in turn ordained them, and so on, all the way back to Jesus Christ himself. In today's Mormon church, thousands of ordinances, such as baptism and the sacrament, are performed weekly throughout the church, and these ordinances are to be performed by priesthood holders who have been properly ordained and properly authorized by one who has the keys to authorize that ordinance. Therefore, a priesthood authority line traces a priesthood holder's authority from that person ordaining him all the way back to the Lord. Now, this revelation about a direct line came to Joseph Smith this way found in the Mormon Church's Doctrine and Covenants. It says, Again, I say unto you that it, the priesthood, shall not be given to anyone to go forth and preach my gospel or to build up my church except he be ordained by someone who has the authority and is known to the church that he has the authority and has been regularly ordained by the heads of the church. So, in essence, you can only get the priesthood from someone who has authority to give you the priesthood. 
So I'm going to give you a modern reading of a current priesthood line of authority document, and then we'll review the historical context. I'm looking at a priesthood line of authority document right now. If you want to see one yourself, you can ask one of your neighboring Mormons, or just be lazy and Google it. Official documents from the Mormon Church contain details around the member's full name, their birth date, their membership number, yes, all Mormons have an individual membership record, and their current office in the priesthood. Note, we won't have time to cover all the offices of the priesthood today, but that will come in another podcast later in this series. Now, let's quickly review this line of authority. This document that I'm looking at has the person's name and the date they received the priesthood as March 1st, 1992. Quick note, one receives the priesthood by being ordained, meaning hands are placed on your head by someone who has the priesthood who then gives the priesthood to you. Now, below this person's name is the person who ordained him to the priesthood, his father, who was ordained on March 3rd, 1982. Below him is the person who ordained his father and his date of ordination as January 13th, 1974. Below him is the person that ordained him and, in turn, who was ordained on December 9th, 1957. Below that is the person who ordained him, who was also ordained on August 26th, 1939. That person was ordained to the priesthood by the 10th prophet after Joseph Smith in the Mormon Church, named Joseph Fielding Smith, on April 7th of 1910. So we're moving back pretty quick here. Joseph Fielding Smith was ordained to the priesthood by Joseph F. Smith, the 6th prophet of the church, on July 1st, 1866. And Joseph F. Smith was ordained by Brigham Young, the successor to Joseph Smith, on February 14th, 1836. Now, Brigham Young was ordained by the three witnesses to the Book of Mormon, Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Martin Harris. They, in turn, were ordained by Joseph Smith in 1829, the year of this podcast, and Joseph received the priesthood from the hands of Peter, James, and John, who received it from Jesus Christ himself. So, a lot of verbiage there, but I wanted to walk you through the significance of this object and the claim that it is making. The claim that the priesthood can't be achieved through higher education, work assignment, or scripture reading. So, what is the purpose of a priesthood line of authority document in the Mormon Church? The New Testament details how Christ chose specific people. He called them and set them apart as apostles, seventies, and so on, to perform certain functions in the church that he was establishing. After Jesus completed his mission, all of his apostles were killed and captured, There is no detail of those chosen leaders passing on the keys and rights to continue the church in the form Christ established to new leaders. In the Mormon church, that misstep of passing authority on and recording of it being passed on is called the apostasy, and Joseph and Oliver taught it was foretold in the Bible. So all Mormon priesthood holders with this document know exactly where their authority originates. So, How did the line of authority come about, and what's its role in Mormon history? Now, again, quick reminder, we're going to be discussing the year 1829. At this point, there is still no Mormon church. That won't come until next year, and therefore no Mormons. Although Joseph Smith is starting to accumulate a group of believers due to his experiences. Now, to continue this theme of providing historical context... In this same year, 1829, the Georgia Gold Rush officially kicks off. 
It is the first significant gold rush in U.S. history. And in a short time, the Mormon church members, fleeing hostility in many states, will head west with many looking to go all the way to California and the gold there. The Mormon church will settle large portions of the West and Midwest, facilitating these movements. So, back to the priesthood line of authority. To begin, we have to recall Joseph Smith's first vision. When Joseph was 14, he said he prayed and saw God and Jesus Christ, and that among many things they told him that other religions have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. I'm sure that phrase, power thereof, stuck with him through the years as he dug deeper into this work. Now, fast forward to 1829, Joseph and Emma were living in harmony on the 13 acres of land they had then purchased from Emma's father. Remember, they moved there to get away from the troublesome neighbors in Palmyra, New York. The 116 pages have been lost. Oliver Cowdery miraculously showed up, and he and Joseph are deep in this translation work. So as Joseph and Oliver are translating, they arrive at a book called Third Nephi. They come upon a portion that details a resurrected Jesus Christ visiting the inhabitants of the Americas. One of the first things Jesus does is ordain apostles to go out and baptize and establish his gospel. At this point, Oliver and Joseph begin inquiring to each other about this priesthood authority. Almost as a last resort, they decide to petition God for an answer. Where is this priesthood today? So, on May 15, 1829, they head out into the woods to ask God about the priesthood. Joseph and Oliver both witnessed that during that prayer, they were suddenly visited by John the Baptist, who was now a resurrected being. John then placed his hands on both of their heads and ordained them to the priesthood of Aaron, which he said, holds the keys of the ministering of angels, the gospel of repentance, and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. John the Baptist then commanded them to baptize each other, which they did. Before leaving, he told Joseph and Oliver they'd soon receive a higher priesthood. So, sometime thereafter, we don't know the exact date because it wasn't recorded, but on the banks of the Susquehanna River, Joseph and Oliver were again praying and said they were visited this time by Peter, James, and John, who laid their hands upon their heads and restored the higher priesthood, or the Melchizedek priesthood, and ordained them to become apostles and special witnesses. Now, some people have become hung up on the fact that we don't know the exact date, but we know it was soon after the visit from John the Baptist, because Brigham Young, the successor to Joseph Smith after his death, said it was before the church was organized, as they required the higher priesthood to restore the Church of Christ. So, we finally arrived. According to Joseph Smith, the true priesthood of Jesus Christ, the power to act in his name, has now been restored back to the earth. Joseph Smith is ready to begin the process of organizing the church. Now, with the priesthood, this officially kicked Joseph and the upcoming Mormon church into an evangelical role that remains to this day. To this point, most all of his followers were people close to him that believed the things that he saw and the things that he said. So right after Joseph receives the priesthood, his brothers Samuel and Hiram come to visit him in harmony. Hiram believes almost right away. Joseph said that he and Oliver sat down with Samuel and explained to him what the Lord was about to do and that Samuel, after retiring to pray about it on his own, believed everything and they were both immediately baptized. 
This is important because as Joseph and Oliver resumed the translation, he said the Lord revealed to him that his brothers, his father, and members of the Whitmer family would also be allowed to see and touch the gold plates, so eight more witnesses. After the Book of Mormon gets published, Samuel would go on to become one of the first Mormon missionaries, walking almost 4,000 miles through the Midwest and New England, distributing copies of the Book of Mormon. Now, why are there two priesthoods restored in the Mormon church? Remember, the priesthood of Aaron, or the Aaronic priesthood, was restored by John the Baptist, and the Melchizedek priesthood was restored by Peter, James, and John. Note, the official name of the Melchizedek priesthood is the priesthood after the holy order of the Son of God. But Joseph either felt that was too big of a mouthful, or not wanting that term thrown around too often, named it after the high priest Melchizedek in the Old Testament. So, why two? We don't have time to review all the details here, but if you'll remember, when Jesus Christ approached John the Baptist on the shores of the Jordan River, John stated in the New Testament, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So it's evident here that there are two separate and distinct authorities at play. John the Baptist was administering an outward ordinance, such as repentance and baptism, but Christ had the authority or keys to all spiritual blessings, such as the blessings of healing and comfort, revelation, and building up his church. Both of these priesthoods were required in Christ's church, and they were now being restored through Joseph Smith. So, back to the priesthood line of authority document. What role did it play in the history of the Mormon church? Everyone who believed Joseph's stories now felt he had the authority to organize Christ's church, to administer his ordinances, and to start to build his kingdom. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode on the Priesthood Line of Authority document. Again, if you have questions or comments, you can reach out to me directly at joehomc, Church at gmail.com. And again, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate if you could rate and review me on iTunes. It helps a lot. Thanks again.